thanks for pressing play on the Third Shift Entrepreneur Podcast, where we teach you how to build your dream job while keeping your day job. I'm the show's executive producer and co-host, Iron Mike Stedman, a Third Shift Entrepreneur with a knack for boxing, social impact, and podcasting. In this episode, Todd and I discuss the monopoly advantage and the difference between being good at something versus being indispensable. Todd gives insight into how your personality and lived experiences can create a monopoly once leveraged appropriately with pricing and direction. This is one of the many ways you can eliminate risk in your business. No more excuses. It's time to get to work. Let's go. All right, everybody. This is Todd Connor. You are listening to the Third Shift Entrepreneur Podcast. Woo-hoo. We started this podcast to help people start their dream job while keeping their day job. And this is a whole passion project of mine, something that we've been talking about for years. And I'm honored to do this uh, conversation alongside my co-host and friend and colleague, Mike Stebman. Mike, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great, Todd. Feel fine. Feel great. What's going on, everyone? Yeah, here we are. We're going to talk about dreams, how to bring dreams to life. I know that sounds kind of ridiculous, but I don't think it's too aspirational. We are in the business of entrepreneurship, which is in some ways a big, loaded, um, intimidating word um, that in some ways we don't really like, but it's actually just a conversation about how do you start stuff? You know, how do you stand where you're at today in full acknowledgement of who you are, where you're at, but also have a dream for where you want to go? And that dream can be big. It can be intimidating. Sometimes it keeps us stuck. But how do we learn to take the first right steps towards becoming a fully actualized, self-empowered, fulfilled, happy entrepreneur, right? That's what we're trying to do, Mike. Yeah, absolutely. So today, Todd, the theme is the monopoly advantage. Yes. Let's talk about monopolies. What's your favorite monopoly? Do you have one? Your utility? Uh, I'm, I think I'm pretty new. I don't know. I really don't like monopolies. I kind of like homemade brands and whatnot. But if I had to say, um, I mean, Netflix is pretty dope now in terms of streaming. I don't think they have a monopoly, but for a while there, they were definitely owning the streaming space. Yes, they were. And it's interesting. So monopoly is sort of a bad word. It's actually illegal in this country. Um, and there's, you know, antitrust laws that that govern monopolies. And we think of monopolies as we're frustrated by them sometimes um, because we don't know where else to go. You know, that's kind of the idea of a monopoly is like it's it's providing a service for which there is not competition, for which there is not a choice. Um, and so we think of them in that uh, context of uh, like a utility or maybe like a Netflix, or like an Amazon where, you know, we need the stuff. We want the stuff that they're giving us and we don't know necessarily where else to get it. Uh, sometimes people think of monopolies uh, because of that lack of choice as having price control. Um, and that's true. Actually, monopolies have price control. And that's why it can be potentially illegal in uh, this country to create a monopoly because they can exercise undue pricing pressure. But we don't talk about, and I want to set the stage for today's conversation, we don't talk about monopolies as being an opportunity for small businesses. You know, monopolies, if you think about it, are just uh, being uh, of service for something where people just don't know where else to go to get it. And that can happen because we are the only option in town. That can happen because we are so specifically good at the thing that we are doing that no one else 
even knows where else they could go to get that thing. We can create a monopoly because it is fully in our personality. Brene Brown has a monopoly that's built around her own personal brand because she so personally shows up in everything that she does that like, we don't know where else to get Brene Brown other than to go to Brene Brown. Um, this can be because you are, you know, the sole uh, church in town that represents a faith community that people need and are anchored on. So monopolies can show up in lots of different ways. Um, it can show up from the place that you're at at work. You know, like I know that at the Bunker Labs, for example, that, um, you know, Jameson has, he's our chief marketing officer. He has a vision about how to put together the pieces of a marketing campaign that is so specific and effective and creative that, I don't know where else we would get that kind of talent. Um, and so he's created in some ways a monopoly for himself. So monopolies are really the distinct brand that we create for ourselves or for our businesses that we don't know where else to go to get the thing. And if we can do that, then we begin to have kind of, um, hmm, I'll call it power. And I don't mean that in a, in a dirty way, but we begin to have power uh, and we begin to have optionality. We begin to have pricing leverage for the things that we're doing and offering because people need it. They don't know where else to get it. And then we can determine what it's worth. And so, you know, this is important for entrepreneurs that are starting out that we begin to think with this mindset of what can I create that's so valuable that people won't know where else to get it? Uh, because then you've got some authority as a business. I like to equate it to an author named Gay Hendricks. And he called, he's got a book called The Big Leap. And he talks about four different zones. You got the zone of incompetence, you got the zone of competence, you got the zone of excellent, and you have the zone of genius, okay? Most people spend their life in the zone of excellence. It's like, they're good at something, they're good at their job, you know, but there's something, you know, they might not be the best in their field, right? Like, you know, they're in marketing, but there's some CMO out there who's just better than they are. When you operate in your zone of genius, no one can compete with you. You're in your own space. You're, you're in your own stratosphere. And so for me with boxing, right, boxing is my zone of genius. I literally believe that I'm the best boxing coach um, doing what I do in terms of connecting the social aspect of it with the aspect of making people just tougher and grittier and using boxing to uplift communities. That's my zone of genius. And so when you think of a monopoly, it's just about setting yourself and positioning yourself as indispensable. Exactly. I love that. And, and being indispensable. And you can be indispensable... Um, in because you're the, you're the best in a given market, uh, you can be indispensable because you are um, because the way in which you do it is is like slightly different. But I think you're right, Mike. It's you know we in some ways we have to unlearn some of what we taught uh, we're taught growing up, which is you know success in the marketplace uh, or in you know in life in the real world in business is not just being really good at something. I mean, that actually is important if you want a job. Uh, but uh, it's much more if you want to be an entrepreneur about being really distinctive about in something and being the best. And so if um, if our goal growing up is to get like straight A's in school and be good at an externally defined system, and this is true, you know, like for us in the military, it's like you want to be an early promote, you want to be good at the things, but it's very defined what good looks like. In entrepreneurship, it's about having something brought to life that is different enough and good enough that people sort of are forced to take notice. Um, and so this isn't about like crazy new ideas necessarily, 
But this can be about, hey, you know, I'm seeing breweries in a lot of other communities that are really successful, but our community doesn't have a brewery. So a brewery is not an original idea, but having one in our town might be. Uh, and people are going to pay attention because they like breweries and now we have one in our town. So, um, but, you know, bringing your personality in, thinking about, you know, it's not, to your point, it's just not about being as good or better than the other guy. It's about also being different. And when you are different, uh, you you begin to create this monopoly advantage for yourself. I think about Mike Lloyd uh, and his uh, coffee business, you know, Dope Coffee. And, you know, is the coffee good? Yeah, the coffee's good. Is it is it better than, is it the world's best coffee? Like, I don't know. I haven't tasted all the coffees in the world. I don't think it is, though. Um, but Dope as a brand is different. It's distinctive. People understand it from a marketing standpoint. It ties to who Mike Lloyd is personally. Um, and that's why he's able to go out and, you know, I think run a successful, you know, uh, fundraising campaign to get $100,000 in the door to, to grow his brand. So bringing your own personality into whatever it is that you're doing makes it more of a, 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 a monopoly. You know, like me being on the podcast with you makes Third Shift uh, more of a monopoly because it's me and my personality. Some people, when they start something, they don't want to they don't want to put their brand, their own name on it, their face on it. But but again, and it's not about ego. It's about you're creating something that is therefore more distinctive because it's anchored in the personality of the person that's doing the thing. And that that is an asset, I think, for the business. And, and I know you've done that with Iron Brown, you know, with with, you know, great effect. Yeah. One of the things I see a lot of entrepreneurs trying to do, especially early stage, Todd, is they try to pretend like they're Coca-Cola or Nike or all these other brands. You know, they shoot videos and try to come off a certain way, but it's not really who they are you know, as their, as their being, as their personality, it's a lot of like mimicking. And when people do that, it comes across as inauthentic and it just rubs, I think it rubs people the wrong way. And I think people waste so much time by not bringing their personality into the fight. Like we're doing this podcast. Are we professional podcast experts by any means? No. Do we know how to podcast? Yes. Are we bringing our personalities? Absolutely. So we're not trying to be Joe Rogan and all these different shows. We're just trying to be you know, Mike Stedman and Todd Connor. So that lived experience is so important because nobody can replace you. You know, that's the thing. And leveraging that, especially early on. Exactly. And, you know, the big guys are going to compete on the basis of being the big guys. And so, but that's not how we compete. You know, we compete not by playing, you know, or trying to pretend like we're a big guy. We compete by, by really aggressively being a small guy. You know, I mean, that's actually kind of the point is like, we can sort of say, you know, it's not about, um, you know, trying to be, uh, you know, yeah, a big retailer. It's about actually being the really small and specific thing um, and finding the people that really love the small and specific thing that we're doing. You know, that's what is so important. I think a lot of entrepreneurs think about scale, you know, and we talk too much about scale. And this is a frustration of mine in Silicon Valley is like, we talk all about scale, investors care about scale, but the entrepreneur doesn't have to care about scale, you know, and those are different, you know, and don't, I don't, I don't, you know, endorse that every good business has to sort of be a scalable business. I don't agree with that. You know, you can argue that at some point it might be threatened if it doesn't have scale, but okay, fine. You know, doesn't mean that we're not going to want local restaurants. We're not going to want local businesses. Like at some point there's always going to be a place for things that are small and specific. And so, um, scaling a business is not the same as uh, what an entrepreneur needs to start a successful business. 
Um, and being small and specific and quirky is, uh, is part of how you create um, a business that captures people's attention. And it's also how you begin to create what we call this monopoly advantage, which is, you know, no one quite does it like you. And that's ultimately how you become big. Even, you know, if you want to be Seth Rogen, like that still is the advice for how you get started. Um, but, uh, and we see this with a lot of brands, a lot of people, but you know, when you start out, you are so much a part of what that story is. And, and even before people like the service or the product, they might be interested in just the story. Uh, and the story of who you are and why you're trying to do something is going to is going to capture people's imagination and, and I think, you know, give you some room to get started. That's so important, especially early on, because, again, there's so many people out there that think they have a monopoly on what an entrepreneur is, Todd. Like you said, when I entered the game, it was scale, scale, scale. If you're not scaling, you're not a real business. And then all of a sudden, you know, you start bringing in clients bringing in income, revenue, and you're like, wait, but I'm an entrepreneur. I'm, I'm actually bringing in money. Who's, who's to tell me that I'm not an entrepreneur? And the problem with the whole scale mentality is it's, it doesn't meet every venture. You know, it's like somebody wants to start an auto mechanic shop. They're not preparing to start, you know, 50 or all across the country. You want to start with one. And I think the journey for a small business owner, Todd, is a lot different than these giant enterprise software companies. Because I've talked to a lot of small business owners, and it just takes time. You know, they're in the fight, you know, 14 years before they're really like, you know, at the level they want to be. Um, mm. And I, I like this idea of just kind of like, you know, leveraging your brand, that personal brand. People told me early on when I entered the game, it's all about relationships. It's all about relationships. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm gonna go try to talk to these people over here. I've never met before in my life. But then once you realize that it is about relationships and your reputation precedes you, people start bringing you up in conversations with other people and really leveraging that and just being a, a good person and being an honest person and bringing value to people's life. I think that's what goes into building a strong, you know, personal brand that gives you leverage. Exactly. And those are the stories that we remember, you know, like I think about, again, Mike Lloyd, or I think about, uh, uh, you know, companies like Mutt Sauce, or I think about um, people like Rich Cardona, uh, who built a media company and he's really out front on the story of it. And we're kind of watching him grow his business uh, as he um, builds it, you know, and, and, and as he is transparent about how he builds it. And I think we are, it invites us in as consumers to say, you know, that there's something happening here and it's exciting. And, um, and so, you know, not every business is about, you know, sort of the personal, uh, drama of the founder, but, um, but there's a room for small businesses that are different. And even if it's a technology company, um, you know, the, or a B2B, you know, consulting business, um, the opportunity that you have to create a monopoly is to love your customers and know them more than the competition does, you know? So this is how you are small. And if you want to create the next great consulting firm, or if you want to create the next great technology company, you know, starting small, being more intimately connected to your customers, being more intimately connected to the problems that they're facing, that is how you compete. I think um, most people, and I think, you know, coming out of, you know, the University of Chicago with my MBA, and this is, you know, free market economics, I think we give so much of an overemphasis on the importance of pricing. Pricing is is really not a driver of a lot of purchasing, purchasing decisions. I think we just assume that 
um, it's a pure and clean economy. Supply, demand, and pricing is sort of what comes together for how we make our decisions. And the truth is, in the entrepreneurial economy for small businesses, it's so much more about uh, the, the options that we understand um, than it is just about the price of something. And I know, like in consulting in particular, which is my background, you know, when I'm talking to a client, um, about the the challenges that that, that they face, um, or the leadership development program that they want to build and implement, the question is not just what is it, what are we going to charge, but the question is what are we going to charge in the context of what other options they have, and if we're the only uh, entity with which they're having the conversation about how to build a leadership development program, if we're the only one that they even know, if we're the only one that has given a pricing proposal then we're effectively creating a monopoly for ourselves. Now, it doesn't mean that they're going to buy it. They might say, well, we don't want to buy it. But but there isn't sort of like a clean marketplace for a lot of things. For products, there is. You know, if it's coffee, then like we can go and look at 10 different coffee brands. But again, the one that's called dope coffee, the one that appeals to us on a brand and, and, and values basis is still different in our minds. And so um, we have a lot of room to create uh, and hold conversations that if no one else is having, then we're effectively serving as a monopoly in, in those transactions. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs miss miss the opportunity to create those advantages for themselves. And I think this all goes back to, Todd, regardless of what kind of venture you want to launch is, what do you want your life to look like? You know, how do you want to spend your time? What's your day to day? How's your family living? You know, these are all things I think people need to think about as they start to approach business and create that monopoly. Because what you don't want to do is you don't want to create a monopoly for yourself that you're trapped in. And then before you know it, you're like, man, I'm stuck. I'm on this hamster wheel. This is not the life I envisioned for myself. And this is the only thing I can do. And this is the only thing I'm known for versus kind of setting the standard early on. It's like, Hey, I'm really good at my job. I'll give you these hours, you know, or this product, this is the one product we sell. We're really good at it. And then going from there. So really kind of thinking about your lifestyle to as you build out these monopolies. And this is, you know, and, and it's an important point. I think here's where the conversation of scale comes in. I think when you start, you, you got to build the thing in such a way that people just know it's what you do and they want you to do it. And, um, and, and so I think a lot of businesses, when they start small, um, they don't feel like we can step away, but that's part of being an entrepreneur is that, you know, you're going to wrap yourself around this thing and people are going to want it and need it. And I know that, you know, if I go back to, the Collective Academy, when we started it, you know, it was very specifically around kind of me and my brand. Now, at some point I say, well, I don't, I want to move beyond this. And, and then we can look at what's the, what's the repeatable process? How do we begin to broaden the brand so that it isn't so personally identified, but that it begins to sort of be about uh, a network of people or an approach, or, or we sort of begin to transfer the brand recognition from an individual towards a brand. Uh, and again, every business is not exactly the same, right? So this is maybe more applicable for professional services. If you're creating a product, it might, you know, that's different. But in time, we can evolve from our our own personal kind of uh, commitment and involvement to the thing towards transferring recognition against a brand, which can live beyond us. But I, I think it's really hard to s- skip that step. I don't think you can just jump into building a brand. Sometimes you see these websites. Um, and it's a one person company, you know, it's someone who's trying to put a service out there, but they don't want to have themselves involved. Then you click on, you know, about us. And it's like a long set of paragraphs about like we as a company, but there's no names, there's no faces like, you know, and it's almost like you're trying to fool people into thinking that this is something that it's not, 
you know, the better approach is to say, hey, this is me. I'm just getting started, but I've, I do this really, really well. And here's what I did when I was working for somebody else to make it really great. And now I'm going to do it on my own terms and I'm going to make it even better. And I'm going to make it a little bit cheaper for you. And I'm going to work faster, you know, and people can see that and say, like, I'm interested in buying this. Um, and so we just got to learn to make these small steps, make these micro movements to get started and begin to build these sort of small monopolies for ourselves, which we actually, you know, I think if we are tracking it, we have more of an opportunity to do that than we think. Yeah. I did something similar, Ty, with an iron bound, you know, I'm out in front, I'm leading the way, iron Mike Stedman. And I found myself going into my website and taking myself down bit by bit, you know, because one of the things too is, you know, you just, you grow. When you're early on, you know, you kind of got to be out there. You got to be the face of it. But over time, you say, how do I make this thing work independently of me? And exactly. that's when you kind of start to grow and kind of transition. But the first thing you got to do is you got to have revenue coming in before you can even think about doing any of that. I know people say, oh, uh, you know, some, some tech people say do things that don't scale. So they promote that culture where others are like, hey, build all your systems out front early on and, you know, just go out there and build the business. But either way, it's a contact sport. You know, somebody's got to be talking to people. Somebody's got to be building relationships. And if you're a small business owner and you're bootstrapping or you're a tech startup and you're raising early on, that founder has got to be out there making contact with people. It, I mean, it's so important. You have to be out front. There is no other way to do this. I mean, this idea that like, I'll just put a website out there anonymously. Um, I just, I've never seen, I don't think it works. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe, I don't know. But I so often I think people, where they get stuck is actually that point of personal vulnerability where you go on Facebook and you say, Hey, I'm doing this and I would like your support and it matters to me and I'm excited about it. Um, and a lot of people want to skip that step. I mean, that's actually where I think a lot of people never even start the business. You know, they go and they file the LLC, they, they build a beautiful website, but they, it's almost like they're hiding from it. And I get that it's uncomfortable. That's, but this is actually where the rubber hits the road for a lot of entrepreneurs. You gotta, I think you gotta put yourself out there. Um, and I get why it feels intimidating, but people can't sort of meet you halfway if they don't know that, that you're out there. You know, when we started uh, the Collective Academy, then Flank 5 Academy, I mean, I was posting stuff at Starbucks. I was reaching out to people personally. I was posting stuff on, on Facebook. And, you know, it looked maybe like a, a step back. Like, why is Todd, you know, who's got a good job uh, organizing this group to meet on Thursday nights and talk about their careers? You know, just it looked off maybe, or at least that was my internal insecurity telling myself, you know, like at the point of hitting post and share that this is in fact like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to, you know, people are going to think it's weird, but you, you got to, and when you practice this and you do it, you actually get comfortable doing it. And then you realize that the vast majority of people are sitting there in the cheap seats, observing other people that are taking action and, uh, you know, get out there, take action. It's a learned behavior. The more you do it, the easier it gets. And that's why, you know, launching this podcast, even though I'm like, I don't do podcasts, I've never done one. It just, it just feels like, yeah, like it's just the next evolution on trying to be brave and step forward and, and then learning that like people are excited, you know, people are excited to see what you're doing. Yeah. Nobody's just going to magically go to your website. That's like the biggest myth. Oh, we launched the website. Now the sales is going to roll in. No, man, you got to get out there and market and talk to people and post and be on social. And I'll tell you what I've learned, Todd, over the years, when you first start out, it's kind of hokey, right? People think it's kind of hokey. Who is Mike and Todd? What are they doing? But then Six months later, you're top of mind. 
12 months later, you're top of mind. Now when people need a problem, need your problem, when people have a problem and they need your product or service to help them solve it, because you stay kind of top of mind and you've been out there, you're the first person they think of. And that's what's, at least in your personal network, that's what happened in my experience. I can't speak for everyone else. Exactly. And I think the thing, the last thing I'd say is it's the difference of being good at something versus being indispensable at something. So if, if we said, you know, let's go back to Mike Lloyd and dope coffee. If, if someone comes forward and says, you know, um, Hey, it's really important to me that we have a black owned coffee brand, uh, that's sourced at whole foods, you know, and that's a very likely scenario, frankly, in the, in the day, you know, the moment in which we're living. Um, and it's important to me that we have sort of authentic brands and local brands and black owned businesses that are on the shelves at places like Whole Foods, uh, which, by the way, is probably a conversation that's happening right now. Like you can't not think of Mike Lloyd, you know, and so all of a sudden Mike Lloyd's in that conversation with a ton of leverage. Uh, because he has built a brand, because he is a black entrepreneur, because he has a good business, because he has raised money. And so, you know, sometimes it's just about us sort of taking the leap. And, you know, if someone comes forward and says, you know, hey, we need to talk about um, creative, you know, youth development programs in Newark that center on, you know, physical fitness. It's like they can't not talk to, you know, Mike Stedman um, if they want to talk about, uh, you know, veteran entrepreneurship. You know, it's sort of like they can't not talk to Todd Connor at some point, you know. So so I think it's about finding yourself in these really specific intersections where um, it's not just about like, how's the coffee or, you know, how's the program or how's the gym? But it's it's about um, being indispensable in certain conversations, in certain situations. And, and your personal brand, I think, becomes really important for how you show up. And so the monopoly, you know, thinking is really not just like, are they good at something, but like, are they indispensable in a certain environment? And there's, and all of us, um, you know, as entrepreneurs, I think can build things that make us therefore indispensable in very specific situations and being indispensable in a specific situation is much more important than being good in a lot of situations. That's traditional employment. You know, that's, you know, being good in a lot of situations might earn you a paycheck. It will not uh, ensure your success as an entrepreneur. Yeah. And as we wrap up here, I want to equate that to the previous episode where we talked about keeping your day job because you can do all this while having that day job. Because again, the stuff we're talking about, this being identified as a leader and an intellectual or the go-to guy in that space that is not just switching a light switch on, you know, that's over time. That's built up over time. And some of you may have to leverage previous experience and keep it in the conversation. You know, I say three-time national boxing champion all the time. That was like 2010, but you know what? It's still relevant today. Right, it, baby. Use it. It sets the perception in the clients and the prospects mind. And so, you know, don't be afraid to kind of reach back to that. But again, the key thing is start now, start right now, publish that blog post, Post on LinkedIn, something. Start establishing yourself as an expert in that space. So when the time comes, there's no competition. That's exactly it, Mike. And and it's it's as small as, you know, starting roasting your own coffee. If you're going to be a coffee company, it's as small as, you know, giving a client a, 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 a marketing proposal or a perspective. Like, hey, I thought about your website and here's some things I think it could be better, you know, and they start to say, well, gosh, 
you know, you're already into a monopoly conversation. No one else has given them suggestions on what could be different or better. And you've done it for free. So some of this is for free. We're going to talk, you know, the next episode about um, micro movements. And this is really important. And how do we move beyond binary thinking of win or lose outcomes? Because the reality is most outcomes aren't just win or lose. Uh, so we're going to talk more about that. And I, I know that's to come. And that's important as we continue to kind of build our own self-efficacy because no one gives us the roadmap on how to do this stuff. We've got to learn to create our own roadmap. Um, but when we learn this, it's easier than we think. So we're going to keep going here, Mike. Yeah, looking forward to it. And for our listeners out there, if you haven't done so already, be sure to subscribe to the Third Shift Entrepreneur Podcast on Spotify, iTunes, whatever listening service you're using today. Your reviews are greatly appreciated. And forward this show to someone in your network who's thinking about taking that big leap. Let them learn this framework and these strategies so they're not jumping out into the wild all alone. You can also visit our website, thirdshiftentrepreneur.com, where you can purchase the book, sign up for our newsletter, and hear tips and pointers that will help you keep your day job while building your dream job. You can also purchase the book on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, and other major book outlets. Until next time, peace, love, and have a great rest of your week.